everyone, and welcome to United Teachers of Lowell's Straight Talk Podcast. We are Mickey Dumont and Amy Bisson, the podcast twins. Each week, we host this weekly podcast produced by and for members of the United Teachers of Lowell. In our weekly podcasts, you'll hear about local, state, and national issues that affect our members. You'll also hear about some of the accomplishments of our members. We will keep you up to date with news and decisions that impact all of us. A few weeks ago, we spoke with Jeremy Shank, AFT Mass political organizer, about the foundation budget and how there was a focused effort to pass legislation that would relieve the disastrous effects of underfunding our public schools in Massachusetts. What was the end result of that effort? Well, nothing good, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean any of us should accept that result. This past Tuesday night, Massachusetts Education Justice Alliance hosted a conference call. The call included elected officials, educators, former educators, parents, activists. It was a very broad representation of people concerned about the Massachusetts legislature's failure to enact any foundation budget recommendations, once again shortchanging our public schools and our children. Today, Mickey and I share some of the impact of what this inaction has caused. We also share some ways we all, and we do mean all, can gear up to ensure that the Commonwealth of Massachusetts lives up to the promises made in 1993. Education Reform Act. So, Mickey, we just finished a rather disappointing legislative session on July 31st. Let's review for our listeners what happened with that foundation budget bill. Sure, Amy. If you don't mind, let's back up just a little bit and do a quick foundation funding 101 for our listeners who may not be greatly familiar with it as we are. Foundation funding actually was originated in 1993 with the Massachusetts Ed Reform Act. It was part of the act that would achieve accountability for districts throughout the Commonwealth. And what they did at that time was they set up a funding formula that would address uh, disparities between districts, wealthy communities versus uh, gateway cities. A gateway city would be what? That would be the cities where we mostly find a lot of um, English language learners because uh, populations of people coming to the Massachusetts in this country tend to be in the cities where there are services pretty readily available. So initially, the thought was that the uh, foundation funding would run its course for one year and then be reviewed at the end of the year. And after that first year, it would further be reviewed every three years thereafter. That apparently did not happen at any point throughout the last few years. As a matter of fact, the first review of the foundation budget formula occurred in 2014. A report was drawn up uh, and presented to the legislature in 2015. It was done by the Foundation Budget Review Commission. Now, the monies that come out of the foundation budget are referred to, commonly referred to as Chapter 70 monies. And like you said, Amy, depending on a district's wealth and student population always determined how much money each district would get. What happened through the years is that a lot of our um, services and actually populations changed significantly. Four of the recommendations that the Foundation Budget Review Commission came out with included uh, checking health care costs, special ed costs, 
English language learner costs, and low-income students. They're pretty much the ones that cause the biggest budget deficits or offsets because they're the ones that have risen the most over the last 25 years. And I do remember a former school committee member, I believe it was Jim Leary, talking about the ELL costs about four years ago and how they weren't keeping up with the cost of actually providing services to English language learners. That's correct. So fast forwarding to 2016, 17, 18, even though that commission put forth the report, there were no significant changes made to the foundation funding formula. So even with the foundation budget report that came out in say, 2015, there had had been no significant changes in the funding formula. As a result of the Foundation Budget Review Commission report, no changes were determined as a result of that. And the four recommendations of that report included looking at health care costs, special ed costs, English language learners, and low-income students. All four of those were top priority for the legislature to look at in order to uh, fix the funding formula that we were faced with. Right. And that funding formula, for people who haven't taken a look at, and I don't blame you for not doing so, is quite complicated. It has to do with, as Mickey mentioned, the four key areas plus others. And also it looks at the socioeconomics of the the city or town and the ability to raise um, monies through taxes. And as most of us know, Lowell is not on the same plane as uh, Wellesley or Lexington that can contribute huge amounts of money to make up differences. Absolutely. And that's a key point, Amy, because the money that comes to districts actually comprises about almost 90% of what a district spends on student learning. So as you mentioned, a district like Wellesley may spend $24,000 per student on education, whereas a a city like Lowell would only spend 14000 So there's a great discrepancy there. And that's what the foundation funding formula is supposed to address. And it hasn't. So that brings us up to uh, the legislative session that just ended on July 31st. There, there was huge public participation in getting senators and representatives to push this forward to a vote so that the funding would actually finally be addressed. What happened was the Senate approved the Foundation Budget Review Commission's report uh, unanimously. 100% of the Senate has voted to push it forward and to at least get it out there, get it on the table so that it could be discussed. They did not uh, recommend an amount of money. What they recommended was that they take about five years to put this out there to get the money that districts would need to move forward. Now, I know that in 2018, health care costs were not what they were in 1993. They certainly were not. In fact, um you notice your health care costs have really spiraled out of control, as have your um, deductibles and other things, the other benefits that went with that. So we're getting a lesser amount of coverage for a far larger cost. And I think our listeners understand that because a lot of the health care costs have been cost-shifted onto 
these the plan subscriber. We end up paying the differentials in the health care costs. But because the districts are paying so much more, that comes right out of the foundation funding. That along with special ed costs, that those costs have increased exponentially since 1993. And for our listeners, I will be posting a report from Mass Budgets uh, in the links that are associated with this podcast because um, many people from, for example, Mass Association of School Committees have done a deep analysis of this issue and can even uh, point to how many regular education teachers are no longer being funded because the uh, Chapter 70 monies have to go towards our obligations with special education students. And that's one of the big issues, Amy. Um, in the first few years of the ed reform in Massachusetts, we were inundated with all kinds of money and funding for programs, for support staff, special programs. And then as time went on, I, I would say getting into the late 90s, early 2000s, all of a sudden, the money started to dry up. We no longer could provide the services that we were afforded at the beginning of the Ed Reform Act. As a result of that, that's when we started to lose not only staffing, but resources, programs, you name it. And that's where we are today. We sure are. We're at, in Lowell, we know we're at the point where the high school itself is cutting back on much-needed counselors, um, and that is quite an issue still to be resolved in our school district and for the budget going forward. We know that we have lost all K-8 to library aides, which effectively closes our libraries for kindergarten through grade 8. That's something I just find abhorrent. I, I can't wrap my head around that at all because every year, well, last year we were hit with uh, potentially losing the 17, 18 library aides. And at the last minute, we got the funding to retain them. But here we are again, and this time it looks like they're gone. Um, I think looking to the the week of the vote on the foundation funding, as, as I said earlier, the Senate approved it unanimously. We had a really hard time getting all of our representatives on board with it. And during the last week, we pushed and pushed. We urged our members, we urged our friends and neighbors to make calls to representatives to get them to at least push this out of the committee to the floor for a vote. And we thank people who did make those calls and emails and contact legislators. The uh, bill from the House actually did get out of Ways and Means. Um, However, it was a shadow of the Senate bill. It was missing the um, adjustments for English language learners and the adjustments for low-income students, two of the biggest factors in um, providing an adequate education funding for gateway cities. Yes, and and their, their suggestion at that time for leaving those two key recommendations out was they wanted to send it for more studies. Well, the Review Commission had already studied it, you know, ad nauseum, and they came up with these as the four prioritized recommendations. So why our House of Representatives would suggest that we send it out for further study is beyond anybody's comprehension. It sure is. And to add insult to injury, the study that was being called for by the House was unfunded. So I'm not sure how Desi was supposed to come up with a report when there was no money to do such a report. 
So what happened on July 31st, it went well into the first day of August. It was late during the night that the session ended. But what happened, no one is quite sure because the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education seemed to come writing in at the last moment. And because of some information that they offered, the vote, the potential vote to address the foundation budget was dropped like a hot potato. Even at that late last minute, the House couldn't support their own proposal. And the next day, and the next couple of days after that, uh, the House leadership members were actually asked to be interviewed and comment on, you know, what prompted the, the pushing back of the whole foundation funding. And none of them would agree to an interview. I don't know if, as of today, any of them have. I don't think anyone has. Uh, the only commentary I've ever heard about is uh, an interview with Sonia Chang-Diaz, who is the senator from Boston um, and who was one of the leaders on the joint committee. But no one is really talking specifics because my understanding is that when you are in a compromise committee, you cannot talk about anything. It must be done. All those compromises are done in secret, which sort of seems like a flaw in our system. But there you go. Uh, I agree. Now, that um, committee is much like the executive session that our local uh, school committee or city council might take advantage of. No one knows what goes on in those meetings. And I agree with you, Amy. There really should be more uh, transparency regarding what happens in those scenarios. So here we are post-FBRC, post-legislative session. And if uh, you're feeling discouraged, you're not alone. However, we're picking ourselves up and we're going to dust ourselves off and we're going to keep fighting for fair and adequate funding for our public schools. And we both, Mickey, were on a conference call this week with Mass Education Justice, MAJA, and many other people from throughout the Commonwealth, not just educators or retired educators, elected officials, all kinds of people, were in on this call saying, what can we do to move this forward? Because what has happened is unacceptable. So let's talk to our listeners a little bit about some of the ideas that came out of that conference call. First of all, uh, there there has been a lot of talk about districts throughout the Commonwealth joining in on a lawsuit against the state regarding the foundation funding. The only problem I see with that, Amy, is that it takes an awfully long time for a lawsuit to come to fruition. And the end result might not be what people are anticipating. So I think our call, our conference call, um, gave us some good tips about what to do in the meantime, because the legislature now is on what they call a hiatus. It's actually a kind of vacation time for the next five or six months. They don't return until January 3rd, 2019. So in the meantime, we have all that time where we need to start putting pressure on them, asking them why they did what they did. Why didn't they bring this to a vote? What, I don't know, what are they afraid of? I, I know some of them had mentioned, oh, the cost, the cost is so much. Well, that's, that's a poor excuse. It really is when we look at the money that's being spent on other things, not only in the state, but in the country. 
Absolutely. And uh, there had been a proposal early in the spring that was killed by the uh, Supreme Judicial Court, um, which would have funded education as well as transportation. But it was um, ruled unconstitutional. It was the ballot question, the fair share amendment. And I think a lot of legislature legislators were thinking that if that had passed... And the public support was quite well known as to be very positive for it. If that fair share amendment had been put on the ballot and passed, it would have been an easier sell to uh, update all of the foundation budget. However, that didn't happen this time around. Good points, Amy. Uh, it's interesting, I think, to note at this point that the public was very much in favor of the fair share a- amendment. They were also very much in favor of fixing the funding, the foundation funding formula. What does that tell us about the leaders in our legislature? Yeah, that's a good question. What does that tell us? So one thing we heard we could do is besides contacting legislators and asking them what their position was on this foundation budget bill and asking them to uh, justify their position, one thing we can do is tell our stories. And we're going to uh, offer an opportunity for our listeners to do that down below in the commentary on this podcast link through a um, anonymous survey where we're going to ask you to talk about what was something that if you were in a classroom or a parent of a child in a classroom or even a student or a community member or a grandparent, what is something you notice has been unfunded and cut as far as education services to our children? This is another link that people can go to as well. It's the massedjustice.org, M-A-S-S-E-D, Justice. Org, where they can go to share their stories about what extra funding would mean to their, their particular school. We know for a fact that most public school parents are very satisfied with their child's school, despite all of the talk that we hear that, ooh, public education is failing. We are strongly opposed to that train of thought because we see and we hear exactly the opposite. So in addition to uh, people sharing their stories on the, the websites that we're providing, there are other things that the general public can do. We mentioned earlier that the uh, legislators are on recess right now from uh, August 1st through January 3rd, 2019. This is also the time that many of them use to get back in touch with their constituents. So they do go out and meet with a lot of uh, groups, individuals, and they talk about the needs of the public. What perfect timing for this. People should consider holding uh, sessions inviting the legislators to come and talk about the foundation funding and what their plans are moving forward on how they expect to address this. Speaking of inviting people, uh, another suggestion would be to just have conversations with neighbors. Um, Ask people over for a a house party or uh, talk to them over the fence about how important it is to update the foundation budgets and the foundation formulas so that our schools are funded appropriately. I know, Amy, we have our own Lowell Education Justice Alliance group that meets at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. And uh, our next meeting is on Monday, August 22nd. And at that time, 
of course, any anyone in the community community is invited to attend that. And at that time, we will be addressing this particular topic. Okay, I think that pretty much wraps it up. I think it does. So we are signing off for today on foundation budget. Um, however, I'm sure that's going to come back several times in the very near future. And uh, going forward, we look to January when the bill will most likely be refiled and we will be asking for everybody's support and help. Don't forget to uh, take a look at the survey and weigh in on how you feel that uh, foundation undercalculations have impacted you and your children. And also give us a few ideas of things that you would like to see implemented in schools if the foundation budget were to be fully implemented. So this is Amy Bisson and Mickey Dumont. We are signing off for this week. 